0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Matthew chapter 6, it's the first book in the New Testament. And this morning, I want to let you in on a, on a little secret. All right. Are you guys ready for a secret? Well, <laughs> Ronnie Cannon is an introvert. <gasps> right? Like, you're, you're shocked, right? If you know me. No, you're, you're not. Shocked. I'm a little bit shy. I'm a little bit shy, so sometimes, you know, conversation doesn't always come that easily to me. I, like, a lot of times I have to think very hard about what I'm going to say. And this is especially true as a youth pastor, right? Like, sometimes your, your normal conversation starters may or may not work. Like, hey, how are you? Silence, right? <laughs> like, hey, what's, what's your name? Silence. So, you got to throw in like a, what's up, bro? Then you get a response, right? What's up? What's up? Right? You have to have a little conversational finesse. But even for us introverts, we, we have people in our lives that the, the conversation just flows, right? Like, who, who is it for you? Maybe like a a parent or a spouse, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. For, for me, it's my wife, Mary. It's my wife, Mary. Like, because she knows me and I know her and there's no secrets between us. We're, we're not trying to hug or hide some ugly, ugly parts of ourselves. Like, the conversation just flows naturally, easily. Because of our relationship, it's just easy for us to talk. Do you have anybody like that? Like, how about, how about God? Does prayer, does, does our, our conversation with God, does it just flow? Or, or maybe you start to pray and your, and your mind wanders off. Anybody? Have you ever prayed in the car? Right? Your, your mind wanders off. You start thinking about what you're going to have for, for dinner that night. Or like, maybe you remember that you forgot to put deodorant on this morning. Right? Who knows? Like whatever it is, our minds sometimes wander off. Or or maybe you you start to pray and then you think to yourself, I, I can't tell God that, right? I can't tell God everything that I've done. So you put up this front, you put up this front for God. Or or maybe when you when you pray, you're you're, you're bringing all your problems to God. You're and you're bringing other people's problems to God. And then it just turns into ruminating about these problems and you leave prayer worried. You leave prayer anxious. You you leave prayer overwhelmed with this this weight on you. I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I, I don't want talking to God to be like that. I don't want prayer to be like that. I need to be taught how to pray. So this morning, we're going to look at a very famous message from Jesus. It's this Sermon on the Mountain. Specifically, we're going to look at this section in this sermon where Jesus gives his disciples a lesson in how to pray. So here here we go. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So, so in Jesus' message here, he inter, intermixes two lessons for us today. First, how not to pray. Second, how to pray. First, we'll look at how not to pray. But before we do that, let's not let's not miss what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, right? He doesn't say, if you pray, he says, when you pray. His assumption is that if you are a, a, a child of God, you will pray. But can you imagine in your own family, right, if you never talk to each other, right? Like some of you, you're like, that is my family, right? But imagine, you, you sat down at the dinner table, you never said a word to each other. You, you passed each other in the hallway, you never acknowledged the other person's presence like imagine imagine how unhealthy that relationship would be and it's the same thing in the family of God if you want a healthy relationship with your father you must pray and not because you're forced to either like I don't I don't talk to Mary because I'm forced to right I talk to Mary because I want to talk to Mary because I love Mary and this, this love for God, our love should, for God should invoke in us this desire to pray, to talk to Him. So Jesus assumes that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you will, you will talk to God, that prayer will be a natural and regular part of your life. And in Jesus' lesson on prayer, the first thing He says not to do is pray like a hypocrite. Don't pray like a hypocrite. How's a hypocrite pray? They would pray publicly. See, like when the synagogues were packed, when the streets were crowded, that was the the hypocrite's moment to shine. So imagine Mr. Mr. Hypocrite walking down the road, the the empty road, on his way to the synagogue. And and slowly but surely, people are, are showing up on the streets, and he notices them. And then more and more people come and more and more people. And then finally, finally, there's just enough people. There's just enough people to satisfy his ego. So he drops down to his knees. He hits the ground, bows his head, and he starts praying out loud. And people around him see this, and they, they, they see it, and they're like, wow, that dude is religious. Right? He couldn't even wait to the, get to the synagogues. He, he's praying in the streets. How spiritual he must be. And then immediately, the next thought in their minds is, well, I'm not that religious. Right? I'm, I, I don't know God like that. Jesus says, no, don't, don't be fooled. It's not prayer, it's, it's hypocrisy. They're only praying that they may be seen by others. That was the hypocrite's Intent to be seen by others, others, their their audience is mere people, not God. And the reward for their empty prayers is nothing from God. They they leave, they, they leave the synagogues, they leave the streets content with impressing people with their religiousness. For them, that was enough. Jesus says instead, instead, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He says, quit trying to impress other people. And just talk to your father and enjoy the reward, the reward of being in the presence of your father. Like, church, do you know what this is? This is permission here from, from Jesus. To give up the the dead religion that pervaded so many of your childhoods and and instead pursue a relationship with your father. Here Jesus undercuts your your childhood memories of of religion that requires you to clean yourself up before you come to God. When all along it's been God that cleans you up. It's permission to give up trying to maintain a facade of, of righteousness in front of others around you. And just talk one-on-one. Spend time with your Father. When you pray, focus on your Father. And next, Jesus says, don't pray senselessly. Don't heap up empty phrases. Like, who, who here has ever read a book, right? Like, I, I don't like to assume anything, right? Like, any book readers? <laughs> have, you ever, ever been, have you ever been reading, right? You're reading, you're a couple pages into it, and you realize like, you did not pay a lick of attention. Like you have no idea what you read, like physically, maybe even audibly, you've been reading the words, but your mind is just like somewhere else, right? My my two-year-old son loves to read. He loves to read, and I love to read, too. And we've read probably, we've read the same books probably a million times. Little Blue Truck, it's one of my favorites, one of his favorites. Frog and Toad, it's a classic, right? Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, yeah, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom fans. It's a good one. It's a good one. But I, I read, I've read these books so many times that, that now I'm like reading them and I'm, I'm thinking about something entirely different. Like, like chicka chicka boom boom, will there be enough room? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there'll be enough room because I haven't been paying attention. Right? God, Jesus says when you do this, when, when, you, when you pray, don't do that. Don't heap up empty Phrases, don't just go through the motions of praying to God without putting any thought into it. Just like you won't learn anything from a a book that when you read you're not paying attention to, what point is praying if if you don't even know the words that you're saying? So don't thoughtlessly pile up word after word. Pray with your mind. When you pray, focus on your Father. And and Jesus says there's, there's no need for many words. Where are my my fellow introverts at? Any other introverts? Right? This is music to our ears, right? The less words we have to say, like the better. Right? And so Jesus says, these Gentiles, these other religions, think they'll be heard for their many words. So in Jesus' day, other religions would, would often mindlessly repeat their prayers, these phrases, over and over and over again in hopes that their, their gods would, would hear them and be moved to grant their requests. But Jesus says with God, there's no need to do this. You don't have to impress God with your, your many words. There's not some like word threshold that if, if you reach it, then, then God will be he'll. he'll answer your prayers or grant your requests no God your father just likes the voice of his children he loves the voice of his children so don't come to God to try to impress God just come to God Jesus says for your father knows what you need before you ask him you don't have to earn the favor of God by trying to impress him It's not your religiousness that moves God to to answer your prayers, to respond. It's his grace. He already knows what you need. Nothing you say is news to God. No no request that you have, no need you need met. No confession of sin. Nothing you pray surprises God. Which in my mind raises a question, right? Anybody else? Like, what's the point of praying? If God already knows what I'm going to say, if He already knows what I've done, if He already knows what I need, then what is the point? If prayer were just trying to convince God to have have mercy on you and to convince Him to provide for you, Christianity would be just another religion. But in Christianity, and only in Christianity, we pray because we want a relationship with our Father If you want to get to know someone, you what? You, you talk to them. You spend time with them, right? And like maybe maybe you're here this morning, and all your life you, you've seen hypocrisy. You've seen religion displayed by people close to you, but behind closed doors, you see something entirely different. And so maybe you've wanted nothing to do with God. But friends, Christianity is not just. Of religion. It's not a performance. It's not a mask you wear to cover all your faults and mistakes. It's an authentic, genuine relationship with your Father, with your Heavenly Father, church. Work hard at prayer. Work hard at building a relationship with your Father. And when you pray, focus on your Father. Now, why, why does Jesus feel the need to tell us how not to pray before we, we learn how to pray, right? Why not just jump right into it? Like, how do we pray? Why tell us how not to pray? It's because of who we are, right? Who we are as human being, beings, our, our nature. Like, there, there's something inside of us that desires to be pra- praised by others and, and to impress others, And there's something inside of us that that would rather pray some mindless words and and move on about your day doing other things. So Jesus tells us don't pray hypocritically, don't pray senselessly because our our corrupted nature pulls us toward doing those very things. So we've, we've learned how not to pray, right? Everybody take your hand, pat yourself on the back. Right? We are now certified in how not to pray. Right? Maybe we'll stamp you on the forehead when you leave in the lobby, certified. All right? But Jesus, how do we pray? He's going to tell us. He's going to show us in what's commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. So here we go. Jesus is going to show us how to pray. First, he says, pray for the praise of your Father. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And first notice he says, pray like this. He doesn't say pray this exact prayer word for word. If we did that, every time we pray, just pray these words and nothing nothing more, then we'd be guilty of what? Just heaping up empty phrases. That's mindlessly praying. Instead he says, pray then like this. Our Father, Paul's right there. Think back just a moment ago when when Jesus was was showing his disciples how not to pray. Do you remember who he was saying that the Gentiles and the the hypocrites were praying to? He doesn't. He doesn't say they were praying to anybody. He doesn't say they were praying to God, and he he certainly doesn't say they were praying to their father. There was no one. No one at the end of their prayers. But Jesus, he, he looks his disciples in the eyes. He says, pray to your Father. See, disciples of Jesus can call God Father because only disciples of Jesus are children of God and only children of God can talk to their Father. Like, do you ever think about that? Like, Christian, God is your Father. He's not some far-off, distant deity that you can never know. He's your Father and you can talk to Him. Don't confuse him with your earthly father. And if you're here and you are a father, let's not confuse him with ourselves, right? Earthly fathers make mistakes. Earthly fathers mess up. Some of you have been hurt by your earthly fathers. Some of you don't know your earthly fathers. But God is your father in heaven. He dwells in the beauty and perfection of heaven because he is beautiful and perfect. He doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't abandon you or turn his back on you. When you make mistakes, he's perfect. When you pray, start with this in mind. God is your father. He's your perfect father. And Jesus says, as we pray, we should pray that, that his name, that God's name be hallowed. That means treated as holy, that given honor and respect from our coworkers, our, our families, our, our schools, the world, ourselves. To give God the honor and respect that he deserves. Growing up, my, my dad was a, a car salesman, and he was a good one. He was honest. He was hardworking, and he was never one to, to sell you something that you didn't want to buy. And I know this because when I'd, I'd like go in there, when little Ronnie went in there, Right? To work. His his customers would tell me that, his co-workers would tell me that. And I loved hearing good things about my dad because he's my dad. Church, do you desire that for your heavenly father? That his name be praised, that he, he be honored with the words of people all over Easton, all over the world. Do you desire that? Do you desire that? Because because you know what kind of world we live in, right? A world that loves to mock the name of God. A world that's so confused it doesn't know if it just wants to deny God's existence. Or define for themselves who God is and what he should be like. Or a world that just wants to drag God's name through the mud. And we see this daily. The world isn't just indifferent to God. The world is opposed to the name of God. So Jesus says, pray that God's name be hallowed. Pray for the praise of your Father. Next, Jesus says, Pray for the plan of your Father. He says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, do you ever think about what God's kingdom will be like? Like, picture it when God's kingdom is, is fully realized, we will be in the very presence of God. When Jesus comes back and gathers all of his followers, we will dwell with God. We will live with God forever. This is the best part of God's kingdom. That God, our Father, will be there, and we will be with him, and it will be eternal. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor crying. Nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Picture, picture this: there will be no evil. There will be no darkness, no disappointment, no death, no disease. There will be no temptation, no depression, no anxiety. No failure, but joy, rest, peace, perfect relationships with with others, with, with God. This is the kingdom that we have to look forward to. This is the future that Jesus has secured for his followers. But but in the first century here, Jesus shows up on the scene. He shows up and he proclaims that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The Son of God shows up on earth and he doesn't show up empty-handed. He shows up bringing a whole kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now whenever somebody steps down from the the throne that they've been sitting on, whenever somebody takes the crown off their, their head that they've been wearing... Whenever somebody gives up being king of their own lives and instead surrenders to King Jesus, the kingdom of God grows. The kingdom expands, and as the kingdom of God expands into the hearts of people all over the world, you know what happens? Like every time we get this little glimpse of what heaven will be like, a little glimpse of heaven on earth. As God's, people, as, as God's plan to, to rescue people unfolds and, and people step out of darkness and into light, they experience joy right here on earth. They experience the, the, the peace and the rest that comes from forgiveness of sins right here on earth. When followers of Jesus gather together, we'll get a, we get a little taste of what heavenly community will be like right here on earth. Church, do you long for this? Do you desire to experience this? Do you pray for it? Jesus tells us to pray for the plan of your Father. Next, Jesus tells us to pray for the provision of your Father. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And this line marks here a a shift in the Lord's Prayer. Like at the beginning, he said what? He said, "Our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The first part of the prayer is entirely focused on God. It's not until now that he says, Now bring your needs to God. Give us this day our daily bread. Like I wonder what we would would see if we if we looked at our our prayers. And I imagine like some like pie chart or something, right? Like how much of our prayers are are focused on on God, and how much of our prayers are focused on ourselves. Because I know myself, I'd venture to say that a lot of that pie chart, right, would be self-focused prayers, me-centered prayers, right? don't, Don't get me wrong, we have legitimate needs, genuine concerns, like issues that we're facing. So we worry about these concerns. We worry about these problems. We worry about these issues. They make us anxious. They keep us up at night. And then and then we have verses in the Bible like Philippians four, six, that says, Be anxious about nothing. Which is great advice. But how? Anybody here ever worry about things? How do you not get anxious when you find out your child is severely sick? How do you not get anxious when your, your marriage is falling apart and your family is being torn in two? How do you not get anxious when you lose your job? How do you not get anxious when, you, when your child is turning their back on God and turning their back on you? Be anxious for nothing? And I don't think the order of Jesus' prayer here is unintentional. Actually, I know it's not unintentional. Imagine this: like instead of just jumping into prayer and immediately bringing all of our problems and all of our concerns to God, what if we just paused for a second? What if we just paused and took a minute to think about who it is that we're talking to? It's your Father. Your, your your father who already knows what you need. Your father who loves you because you're his child, and he cares about his children, and he's ready to provide for his children, and he's our heavenly father. He has everything under his control. He created everything. He's sustaining everything. I wonder if, if we did this, if we did this, and then and then brought our needs to God. If we'd still be anxious, if we'd still be worried. So then and only then do we pray, give us this day our daily bread. But still, even then, the prayer is God-centered, right? As we bring our our requests to God, we're we're bringing our requests to God because He's our provider. We're omitting our dependence on God. So we ask our Father for bread to meet our needs and if you're familiar with, with your Bible, you know that, that there were famines back in that, that day. They, they weren't uncommon. There were times where literally entire parts of the world would not know where their next meal was coming from, and, and it's difficult for a lot of us to imagine. So we don't, we don't pray for basic needs. But, church, don't, don't be mistaken. Every bite of food that we eat, Every breath of air that we breathe into our lungs, every beat of our heart is the provision of a good and gracious Heavenly Father. Just like when you feel the pangs of hunger, you're reminded of your need for bread. When things happen that should cause us to worry, when things happen that should cause us to be anxious, let them remind you of your need for a provider. Bring your needs to your Father. Bring your need for healing. Bring your need for wisdom. Bring your need for forgiveness. Bring your need for comfort. Bring your need for strength. And bring your request to your Father who loves to provide for his children. So first pray for the praise of your Father. Then pray for the plan of your Father. Then pray for the provision of your Father. Next, Jesus tells us to pray for the pardon of your Father. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he goes on to elaborate a little bit. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Church, you know what I need to do every single day? Ask for forgiveness, right? Every day I fall short. Every day I mess up because I am messed up. You know who else is messed up? All of us are messed up. Right? So we we must come to God every day, daily, and ask for forgiveness. But but what is this part about forgiving others? Doesn't God, when when, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, doesn't he forgive us completely? Wash us from, from all unrighteousness? make us clean the moment we repent and trust in Jesus? Why then is Jesus saying verily, very clearly that, that God won't forgive you unless you forgive others? Do you know what question lies at the, at the heart of this section of, of Jesus' message? The question is this, do you actually realize how great your sins are Against God? Do you, do you realize the magnitude of your sins against a holy and a perfect and a righteous God? And then to just have them forgiven. Your long list of offenses, your long list of mistakes and sins just to be wiped clean by God. And do you realize the, the extent that Jesus went to to, to make you clean? death he gave up his life he gave up everything so that we could be forgiven and when you truly have experienced this when you truly have experienced God's forgiveness God puts in you this desire to forgive others friends this is evidence of our salvation this desire to forgive others it doesn't mean it's easy but this desire is there So if you've been adopted by your your, your heavenly father into the family of God, the the hard heart that once held grudges against other people who have wronged you, the the hard heart that wants to see others pay for their afflictions that they've done to you, it's it's swapped out. God puts in you a a new heart, a heart that's willing to forgive others because of your experience of being forgiven by God. So we're, we're able to Pray. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Church, there's something in us that recognizes the the faults and and the wrongs of others towards ourselves and sees clearly their need for forgiveness but fails to see our own need for forgiveness. Church, do do you recognize your daily need to pray for forgiveness and your daily need to forgive others? Do you pray for it? Pray for the pardon of your father. Finally, Jesus tells us to pray for the protection of your father. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We live in a culture that is evil, where evil and temptation are around every corner. Every time you turn on the TV, every time you scroll through your phone, there's evil. Things that are heinous in the eyes of God. Things that will destroy your soul. They're, they're, they're celebrated as good by our culture. And so our culture forces them on us in, in subtle ways. And, and sometimes in not so subtle ways. And everywhere you see evil posing as good. Evil just seems so innocent nowadays. But don't be fooled. Do you know who's behind every act of evil? Do you know who's behind every temptation? A tempter, a tempter who is violently opposed to God, a tempter who is violently opposed to you, a tempter who, who, who revels in your failings, who celebrates your mistakes, who wants to see your spiritual decay. And So he, he tempts you before you even come to Jesus he tempts you with other things to surrender your life to so he tempts you with money so he tempts you with success so he tempts you with comfort with pleasure with unhealthy relationships with drugs whatever it is and if he fails at that even after you're a Christian he he still tempts you right doesn't ha- matter how strong a Christian you are. He-, he still tries to wedge things in between you and God. He tries to place doubts in your mind about Jesus. He tries to get you to do things that, that God hates and that harm you. So if we were left to our own, with temptation around every corner, we'd be helpless, Right? We'd be helpless. But, but Jesus, Jesus was tempted by the same tempter. He was tempted by his same schemes. And you know what? Jesus never gave in. He, he never once, not once did he sin. He, he did something we are incapable of doing, and that's living a perfect life. And at the end of that perfect life, he died. He died on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And, and, and when he he died, and, and, and we put our trust in Jesus, then we, then we get this, this spirit, this, this same spirit that, that was able to raise Jesus from the dead. And that same spirit that was over to, able to overcome temptation every time. And so until God utterly and permanently destroys evil and temptation and wipes this world clean of evil in temptation. We pray to the one who protects us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Like, so there it is. Jesus gives us detailed instructions on, on how to pray. But, but isn't this a little overcomplicated, Jesus? Jesus, couldn't this be simpler? Like, I just want prayer to be natural, you know, casual, right? Is this prayer natural? One of the, the greatest privileges of my life is being a dad. And I have two sons, five-month-old and a two-year-old, a toddler. And, and there's something so special about both of them. But a toddler... I don't know if it's their newfound ability to talk and like the genuineness when they talk, but it's special. Like when I pick up a moderately heavy item, like a grocery bag or something, and while my toddler says, Daddy's strong. Right? Naturally, he praises me because I'm his father and he loves his father. And he loves to see me succeed in whatever I'm doing. So if I'm working on a project, if it's like chopping wood or something, he cheers me on. Sometimes he even jumps in to help. Naturally, he wants to see my plans succeed because I'm his father and he loves his father. And then there's the occasion where he he hurts me, right? You know, like a headbutt, a poorly placed kick of the foot right and he can't stand that, he, that I'm hurt and he can't stand that he hurt me so, so naturally he, he comes to me for, for pardon for forgiveness because I'm his father and he loves his father then there's, there's times where he just needs something right he, he's hurt he needs healing He's hungry, and he, and he needs food. Naturally, he, he just, he comes to me. He comes to me for provision because I'm his father, and he loves his father. There's this precious moments when he's just scared, right? He's, he's, he's afraid. He, he doesn't know what's going to happen next, and naturally... Naturally, he just comes to me for protection because I'm his father and he loves his father. Church, remember who God is. Remember who it is that you're you're praying to. He's not some far-off distant deity. He's not some some force that, that, that may be real or may not be real some being that that may care about you, that may not care about you, that may hear you when you pray, that may not hear you when you pray. He's your Father. And your Father loves you. When you pray, focus on your Father, church. When When you pray, focus on your Father. Pray with me. Lord, Father, Thank you. You're not some far off, distant deity. You're our Father. We're your children. And there's no other, no other religion that can say that. We are your children, and you care about your children. You love your children. And so we praise you for that. And we want others to experience that. This love that you have for us, we want others to experience that love we just thank you we thank you for who you are and what you're doing and, and we we're messed up Father we mess up every day we'll continue to mess up every day and so, so we come to you for forgiveness Father and we thank you for forgiveness and Father we are dependent on you every beat of our heart every breath in our lungs Father we depend on you so we we thank you we thank you that you stand there ready ready to provide for us that you know what we need even when we don't so Father we depend on you Father we ask for protection with a world that's increasingly more and more evil as we send our, our kids back to school where they'll face temptation. As kids grow up and and get a little more taste of freedom, Father, we, we pray, be with them, protect them. Protect us, Father. Protect our families. Protect our marriages. Protect our church. Father, we love you. We love that that we're your children, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.